I'm Douglas Brush, and you're listening to Cybersecurity Interviews. Cybersecurity Interviews is the weekly podcast dedicated to digging into the minds of the influencers, thought leaders, and individuals who shape the cybersecurity industry. I discover what motivates them, explore their journey in cybersecurity, and discuss where they think the industry is going. The show lets listeners learn from the experts' stories and hear their opinions on what works and doesn't in cybersecurity. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Cybersecurity Interviews. In this episode, we're speaking with Michelangelo Signogni. Michelangelo serves as the CTO leading technical development, security research, and operations for NOPSEC. Prior to NOPSEC, Michelangelo was the director of IT security services at Cyphertex and served as a lead internal security consultant at Blue Cross Blue Shield, advising on HIPAA security compliance and privacy initiatives. Michelangelo holds numerous professional certifications in information security, including the CISSP, CISA, and CIA, and is a frequent speaker at information security events around the country. He holds a Master's of Business Administration from the University of Pavia, Italy. In this episode, we discuss his start in information security audits, his transition to entrepreneur, the difference between vulnerability assessments and penetration testing, building a vulnerability management platform, rating vulnerabilities, change management controls, trends in security, and so much more. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Michelangelo, thank you for joining me on Cybersecurity Interviews. How are you today? Yeah, very good, Doug. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So, um... You know, I, we've known each other now for, gosh, I want to say about seven or eight years in, in the New York City security community. I'm now out in Denver, but you're still out representing New York and Brooklyn. But how did you kind of segue into information security? What were your starts? Uh, it's amazing. Thank you for the question. I mean, uh, actually, like my experience uh, dates back about, um, you know, 18, 20 years. Uh, so I, uh, I started my career um, actually back in, uh, you know, in Europe, in Italy, uh, into um, IT audit um, and IT security audit uh, when was, uh, uh, you know, I, when uh, IT security audit was still like a kind of a, a buzzword and then nobody knew what it, what it was. And, and later on, I moved to the United States and uh, into Boston and uh, um, uh, joining PwC. And I kind of started uh, into penetration testing um, in the early days when, uh, you know, doing penetration testing was, uh, you know, really easy. I guess, relatively speaking, uh, compared to today. And, uh, you know, uh, the experience uh, uh, throughout the years um, brought me from the consulting and uh, sort of like, uh, you know, consulting penetration testing into being an entrepreneur, um, kind of a starting in uh, 2012, 2011, 2012, uh, the um, NOPSEC, uh, this uh, vulnerability risk management company that now I'm a co-founder and CTO for. How? What did you see in the marketplace that was missing that kind of drove you towards developing a vulnerability uh, assessment and management platform that wasn't maybe there in other products? Or what? What was the what was the problem you were trying to solve? 
Right. So first of all, like there was a lot of confusion back then between, you know, what was a, a, a vulnerability management uh, uh, and what was penetration testing and also what was a vulnerability uh, scanning. Um, I guess even today, like there was, there's still a lot of confusion because they, people think that vulnerability scanning is the end of it all. Uh, and the big void was, at least for me, and the void and the problem I wanted to so- solve was that I spent like endless hours in going through like this, uh, you know, three, 400 pages report, sifting through like a vulnerability that had no value whatsoever just to find those, uh, you know, kind of a gold, golden nuggets. Um, that were like vulnerability that were yes critical but also exploitable and also maybe using actively in uh, either uh, you know targeted attacks by by active attackers or uh, used by malware so basically what I wanted my dream was to automate the whole thing from A to Z uh, from A to Z talking about vulnerability management again not vulnerability scanning uh, vulnerability management that includes um, you know, asset identification, vulnerability uh, identification, uh, prioritization, uh, contextualization of a vulnerability in each, um, uh, let's say, customer environment. Let's say if I have, uh, you know, a critical vulnerability, let's say a missing patch MS-1710, the one acquired vulnerability, um, and that vulnerability affects um, both the domain controller and a workstation, which one should I go after first? Obviously, the, the, the domain controller because because it's more important. And that's what I mean by, you know, context. And also, I refer by context to, on, to the fact that, um, um, you know, this vulnerability might, effective, might be effective in one environment because, uh, you know, compensating uh, controls are missing and might be an ineffective in another environment because, like, uh, you know, the cons- comp- compensating control are actually there. So that's, w- that's where I came from, basically trying to automate the, the, the process of uh, selection as well as prioritization and uh, remediation of software vulnerability in both infrastructure and application, you know, um, across the board. Gotcha. And one of the things you touched on earlier, too, is what I actually still see as an issue in the industry. And, and it's something that I kind of blame us as security pra- practitioners for having done for the last couple of decades is mixing the terminology with the clients between, say, vulnerability assessments and pen testing which are two very different things. So how would you kind of define the difference between the two and what are the use cases for each type of test or assessment? Right, absolutely. Yeah, that, 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 Doug, that, indeed, that's, uh, it is uh, still a big, uh, big problem. And I like to kind of uh, like draw a comparison with the medical, with the medical field. Um, uh, so the, the, the pen test will be like, um, you know, uh, the um, sort of like uh, the test baseline to check your health. So when you go to the doctor and uh, you have your, um, your blood drawn like, and you, the doctor gives you a checkup and say, okay, you have a high cholesterol, you have a, that will, that will be like basically with a, you know, a thorough test of your blood will be the penetration test. Meaning like a penetration test creates the, the baseline and also penetration test, um, 
push it very hard to achieve results uh, as opposed to just like quoting the vulnerability. So vulnerability are exploited, uh, privilege are escalated, uh, the, there's a lateral movement and all the way to like literally being able, like we do sometime in banks and financial institutions, being able to transfer funds to like other accounts. Uh, that's as, as far, if the, if the customer t- tell us like, okay, like drive it all the way down to our business model, what it can hurt us, we can literally transfer far to other accounts. Uh, vulnerability assessment is the process, um, will be the ongoing testing, right? Like uh, after you create the baseline, you want to make sure that you are, your health, uh, you know, stays the same, and it's the ongoing uh, testing to make sure that you know you are you monitor your your uh, your values of uh, let's say cholesterol or uh, so like uh, you know like you do with your health, it, it, the the organization needs to be able to to say like okay we're still going doing good uh, with the remediation we have a program both for operating system as well as to application to patch and also for uh, uh, reconfigure uh, operating system that might have a, might have a misconfiguration. So this is a this is the way like a sort of a, like I see it, and people like a, like a totally um, totally misinterpret uh, this fact. Also, I mean, in terms of uh, you know when you go buy like the service, uh, people think they're buying a penetration test, and they say like, well, you know, we want to, uh, you know, last time around we have a penetration test uh, and we we paid two thousand dollars. Well, that's not. I'm sorry to say, but that's not a penetration test. Why? Because penetration test takes um, usually three or four weeks and involves like highly, um, you know, kind of like a skilled individual um, that basically. St- take every step of the way to, you know, compromise the business. And it's totally different from, uh, let's say, obtaining, uh, you know, a vulnerability scan report, changing the logo and putting the, the, the company logo and sell it for $2,000. I mean, I, I, I think the, comp- the, the, the customer uh, needs to be clear about these things that you, literally you get what you pay for. Yeah, I, I've seen that too, certainly where, We've worked on assessments and asked the client, can you, you know, give us your past test? And it's just basically a Nessus report. And they say, oh, this was a penetration test we paid for. And it's, I feel bad having to explain to them what they've actually purchased. Right. Not, not that. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and there's, look, there's a, there's a time and a place for both. I mean, and that's where, you know, certainly, uh, you know, look at assessments uh, or vulnerability assessments as being somewhat more of an automated process and then data analysis, whereas a pen test is just more heavy handed on the, the manual part of actually going in and, and really trying to exploit. Right. Absolutely. And you also touched on a little bit too, the difference between, they say, vulnerability assessment and vulnerability management. Can you clarify the differences on those too? Right. So vulnerability assessment is a part of vulnerability management, is the process of, you know, identified um, you know, uh, in detect vulnerabilities present on you know open uh, service and open ports. Um, with that said, I mean it's a highly technical, highly um, uh, you know resource intensive area, but it's only one part of the vulnerability risk management. Which, as I said, like uh, as I said before, it really starts with uh, you know identification of your 
or, or of your assets. Uh, most of the time, it's amazing when we talk with the customer that start using our product. They have no idea what are their ranges internally. Do they have a class C? Do they have a class B? How many DNC did they have? Where's where's the wireless network located? They have no idea. And what I say to people like a really like um, um, you know, if you don't know where your assets are, uh, you cannot really defend them. It's like saying like uh, uh, I'm trying to defend, uh, you know, I'm trying to defend uh, the my my garden from from an insect or for an intrusion, and but I don't know where my garden is. I, I I have no idea where where the garden starts or where it ends. That's the same thing. You know, you you gotta know your you gotta know your domain if you want to defend it. The other areas are really like uh, you know after you determine the the vulnerabilities. Um, let's say you have a t- like ten thousand node network, and they ca- the scanner comes back with uh, you know uh, fifty thousand. And these are n- not like figures that you know I just. You know, quote. These are actually figures. They make sense in in customer that we do uh, vulnerability management for. Um, so let's say you you come back with a 50, 60, 70 thousand vulnerability, and about you know half are critical. I mean, obviously, how how you're gonna start? Which one you're gonna start remediating first? If you have like you know 10,000 critical. Um, it's it's a daunting task, right? Like, uh, so the most important thing also is like you know prioritizing, prioritizing vulnerability, and um, obviously like the the score that is built into the um, the vulnerability uh, classification is called CVS score, which is a score that is about you know 10, 15 years old, and takes into consideration even in the in the version three, that is the most recent, um, like the technical characteristic of vulnerability, but has nothing to do with a the threat intelligence. For example, am I under attack? Are there any malware or or active? actors that are out there exploiting the vulnerability that I have in my network or um, how much social media uh, chatter do I have um, I, there is in the in currently about those vulnerabilities that are in my network or are, are my controls in place effective and layer stacked layered enough that um, basically, they act as a, you know a filter to prevent the vulnerability to be successfully exploited. I mean, these all these uh, these questions are above and beyond what the really the the CBS score is there to um, um, sort of like categorize. Um, so I see the banks saying adopting this uh, 1995 uh, sort of like uh, you know risk categorization, saying, oh, if I, I the critical and the I, I'm gonna patch, and all the others I leave it out there. Well, even this is not um, in the, these days. Like it's it's uh, it's uh, sort of like uh, leaves uh, uh, room for for holes to be un, uh, unchecked and unpatched because, for example, quote an example, internal network, there's a, there is a vulnerability called 
let's say like a, a SMB null session. So what it means that in the window in the Windows environment, you can establish machine to machine connection using null connection, non null user. And this is how most of the most of the time, you know, machine in machine to machine uh, communicate in a Windows environment. Obviously, if this vulnerability is present, and by the way, the CVS score uh, uh, rates the vulnerability, this vulnerability uh, are low. So if this vulnerability is present in the domain controller, for example, the attacker can enumerate, enumerate the, their entire domain. Um, so um, it can extract a bootload of information uh, from the domain, including the, the member of the domain admin group, as well as like the password policy, and the, as well as the, the password expiration, uh, all this different like a, a, a like a group policy object that otherwise you, you wouldn't be able to check if they if this vulnerability of the null session won't be left out there. So you understand that. Not all the vulnerability are created equal. Uh, there, there is actually um, vulnerability are, are low um, that becomes high and vice versa. Actually, the inspiration for this and for all unified VRM, I, I took many, many years ago. Um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, this uh, you know, great uh, pen tester. His name is uh, Chris Gate. So at DerbyCon uh, many years ago, he presented, uh, you know, um, um, you know, a talk ca called "From Low to Pwned." So basically, like what he said is exactly what I'm saying. How can you go from low vulnerabilities, really, like what the scanner says, okay, this is nothing, to own and compromise an entire environment? And that's exactly what uh, you know what we're doing. And that's exactly the way, like, uh, you know, uh, the defenders should think. They should think like uh, like our model, right? Like, think like a hacker. They should think like, a, you know, a, a targeted attacker that are able to see this, uh, you know, golden nuggets and exploit it till the end of, um, you know, compromising the entire network. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think people fall a little too heavy on just the scores and what comes out of a lot of these as criticals. And a lot of the vulnerability management and assessment platforms do offer other insights such as, open ports and services that don't necessarily get flagged as a critical vulnerability. So you have to right. put it into the context that if you, yeah, if you have an RDP port open on a critical server that shouldn't have one and you have that, those types of logins enabled, you may want to look at that closely. So you have to kind of drill into the data and put the context around it, around the business risk, as opposed to just taking the scores at face value. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then there are so many, there's so many examples. For example, like there's a, there's another vulnerability that is a, is considered a medium, um, that is a, like a, a DNS supporting a recursive queries. Well, you know, it's if if the that vulnerability is outside, I mean, is in a DMZ, you now the DNS is is, is exposed uh, to like the internet. That's basically can cause denial of service to the DNS as well as like you know uh, DNS cache poisoning. So it's a it's a critical vulnerability. Um, however, if it's an in an internal network, actually that's a requirement for the internal network to work because if you don't allow like recursive queries on an internal network, you cannot resolve um, you know host name in the internal network. Mm -hmm. So you see that. You know the devil's in the, is in the details, but you know the the um, the, the vulnerability scanners, which are really 
focus on the detection as opposed to the prioritization do not get this aspect of prioritization because they don't have this context aspect and they they don't keep it into consideration i mean consideration like i don't don't get me wrong doug like i don't fault them they do already amazing things in detecting what they detect but definitely um you know contextualization is not their you know it's not something they do um either or all or like well right right and yeah we, we certainly you know have seen where this might be a current issue, certainly with the Equifax breach, where you have a vulnerable system and the prioritization of the the kind of patching of a specific right. server could be an issue. So it becomes very uh, kind of a sticky and thorny issue of once you do identify, how quickly do you do you patch these things? And do you think there's also some fault in some of the standards um, and frameworks too? Like for example, with PCI that says critical vulnerabilities must be, must be patched within X number of you know, days or time, whatever the, the timeline is on that. I forgot off the top of my head, but you know, that you, that it prioritizes it based on the criticality as opposed to the context. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's sort of like, um, you know, that, that's why like uh, um, companies like they're perfectly, perfectly PCI certified, um, they end up being uh, compromised because the the threshold is that is that well in the in only in the PCI um, affected area so where the credit card information are kept um, the vulnerability uh, above and beyond the the CVS score four then needs to be patched. Well, as I said, uh, you know, like one size doesn't fit all. Um, you might have a, like a very low vulnerability that can lead you to the full compromise. And you might have a critical vulnerability like many out there in the, in the national vulnerability database that will never, ever be exploited because the exploit creation will be so hard yeah. uh, that, you know, there are some like basically like what, you, what you'll need to do is um, – there are like some remote condition that you have to interpret what uh, you know what the 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 the, um, the patch communication says, and you have to reverse engineer the patch for like exploit creation. But even the vulnerability uh, exploitation itself it will be so hard that you know the the attacker will say, well, if it, if it, if it'll It'll take me to develop the, this uh, vulnerabilities uh, exploit. It will, if it will take me like a month just for this, I might I might find that so many other vulnerability they have a public exploits or easy to easily to be created exploit that I, I just like I just uh, I just uh, it's enough for me to modify a return address and because I want to change a shell code and I can create my own my own exploit from uh, from those I mean we see so many um, I mean, like we we see like almost like a ninety nine point five percent of uh, vulnerabilities in the network are low hanging fruit. Um, very very few vulnerabilities are um, a vulnerability that do not have a patch first uh, first of all, and uh, uh, many many vulnerabilities are within the realm of a public exploit or even within. The metasploit, um, you know, realm, which is like you know, sort of a sub- subset of that public exploit universe. That I mean, as you know, if you if you have those, you're 
doom by by definition. So, <laughs> right. uh, I mean, and the certain customer, the funny thing, they asked me about zero day. Um, I mean, and like uh, sometime I, I, I tell them, uh, listen, from the th- threat intelligence standpoint, if you th- if you think you, you're a target of a high caliber enough that you might be, uh, you know, t- uh, targeted by certain the zero day or by like a, a nation states that have like that like actually has the zero day. You have other problems, meaning like you, <laughs> yeah. you should really focus on step up like your security program so high that, you know, you, you have to start worrying about like, you know, um, you know, behavioral, you have to start working, worry, worry about having agent in memory, script memory. I mean, you, you have a problem saying that you should apply control that are above and beyond the average. Gotcha. So they're like, you know, you know, sometime... I, I like to, you know, kind of uh, bring back, you know, uh, customer or people to reality saying like, okay, 99.9, like 5%, you know, you should really f- worry about the Apache struts or vulnerability that have been around either years or at the very least a month. If you can patch like three months ago vulnerability, you shouldn't be worried about zero day. Why do you think so many organizations do have problems getting to patch their vulnerabilities? Is it poor change management controls, lack of kind of oversight and leadership? Where where do companies kind of fail in, in implementing their right. their patch programs? Right. Um, there are like various. Obviously, depends on the organization. There are various uh, reasons. That's a sort of like a you know loaded question. But based <laughs> sure. from uh, from my from my experience, um, it's um, usually the organization that have this kind of problem have lost control on their asset uh, management. As I said before, they they really do not know what what's out there. Um, as I said, like you know, they either do not know where the 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 assets are, or they have no idea what is what's in their web application stack. I mean, just to give an ex- example for like Equifax, um, am I deploying the application using application the application server being um, Apache Struts, or, or am I using Tomcat, or am I using you know Django, like? They really don't have, don't do not have an idea or control on what is their uh, asset inventory as well as what what could be their the um, the attack uh, the attack surface. In terms of um, also um, fixing and remediating the vulnerabilities, uh, usually what it boils down to is political battles between the uh, security department and the DevOps department as well as the sysadmin department. Um, I've seen organization, I'm not going to quote your name, but I work with organization that say, tell each one of the, so the security department tell each one of the other IT organization, um, I have enough um, strength, political strength and political power that I don't care if something goes out of production because, uh, you know, the patch will break something as, as long as we are not compromised or we don't, and we don't end up on a, on a first page of a, of a, of a paper. So like, um, 
there's like a totally focus and political uh, power to be able to say like, okay, um, security is a priority and actually sometimes it goes above and beyond the production. Um, as opposed to just say like, uh, okay, we don't want to break things um, and we kind of accept the compromise. But then I say like, you know, then you have to accept the consequences of your action. You can, you can accept the risk to say, okay, you know, we, we live in a, hu- a huge, uh, you know, remote cause execution in, a, in, a, in, a, in the production web application that, that millions of users use every day, I had to accept the, the risk, the residual risk that something will go wrong. But that's not the case, Doug. Meaning like then all the people are very, very surprised. I mean, even this Equifax CEO in front of the Congress say, well, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Well, you didn't know, but you kind of knew because <laughs> that's, that's good, is implicitly you should know. You know, that's your environment. That's your garden. Right. Yeah. So just you can't just uh, feign deniability over not knowing something about your own business, because the way I've looked at it is, you know, when, when leadership kind of over you know, doesn't think about their oversight responsibilities, of their IT environment, information systems and management environment, yeah, they can't say, well, you know, I if somebody broke into the building, <laughs> it was a right. physical break in and, and lit, right. the, lit the lobby on fire. They, they can't say, well, you know, we didn't have. I didn't. I didn't know about it. I didn't know that there was no security guards down there. You know, they would. They would get in a lot of trouble. So they have to own their infrastructure with a, a physical environment. Yeah, and also like the, the surprising thing, Doug, is um, so security risk is like any other business risk. You know, there. In order to be in business, you have to accept as well as taking care with appropriate control um, to like a certain certain risk. Um, it seems that security is something from outer space that it doesn't belong in that realm. And uh, it's, it's, not, it's <laughs> not like a, a thing that they should be taking care of, it, which, which if you're in a highly risky business, you manipulate the millions of uh, you know, consumer data each day, uh, you wonder, I mean, you should be like pretty locked down and it can be, it can be happening to anybody, but it happened to even the mo- most, uh, mostly secure organization. But also, uh, you've been, you know, more than me involved into like, uh, you know, the forensic field and you know that there, there, there are different ways in which, uh, an organization fails in a, in, a, in, a, in an event of a breach, they're like a total catastrophe, like, you know, a catastrophe. And, or there is an organization that maybe uh, only a small area of the network or the, or the application capitulates and all the other are so, totally fine. Why? Because they, they build the system for the resilience and, you know, and defense in depth. So if the, the, the entire system doesn't capitulate just because like, you know, kind of like a user accounts gets compromised. I mean, that's what I, I always say to the customers. Yeah. And one of the things that we've certainly seen over the last couple of years, too, is with, with some of these vulnerabilities getting their own websites and names. You know, certainly we've had the, the crack Wi-Fi. When there's, you know, that much attention given to the fact that somebody's kind of branding a exploit or a, a vulnerability, do you think that kind of helps or hurts us? Well, it is. It's, it goes back to the, you know, the whole discussion that, you know, 
the, in the, basically populates many, many thousands upon thousands of tweets every day, and the discussion is about, you know, responsible disclosure. I mean, what does it take to have the organization, um, you know, at, you know, kind of a, like use the rattle and, you know, shake it until uh, people decide to do the right thing. I mean, I totally subscribe to like a responsible disclosure, give the time to the organization to um, to do the right thing and, you know, patch it. And, and after that, um, basically, if they're not able, give it to the general public for them to judge, even if this basically caused a lot of stir and, you know, upset to the, to the, you know, the organization that is the subject of this uh, disclosure, this vulnerability. So, I mean, they, definitely if it, if it takes uh, building a website after giving uh, appropriate time to the organization to pack, to patch the issue, if it takes uh, building a website to attract enough the, uh, attention to the general public and the media to to draw, you know, um, you know and to raise um, awareness, I mean, so be it. I'm, I'm totally for it because uh, you know that's what it takes. Well, certainly, and and you know, kind of just along those those same thought lines, and certainly as you have now kind of taken on the role of a CTO, which includes a lot of entrepreneurship and marketing, particularly around security. You know, we're only a few months away from RSA, which is the, you know, the, obviously the big marketing fest in our, our community every year. And the last couple of years, there's been, but you know, the, the typical buzzwords of, you know, we have AI and machine learning, threat intelligence, threat hunting. Where do you think the next kind of uh, buzzword uh, direction is going to be? In general, security or vulnerability management? I'd say in security. Um, as I said, like, you know, there's always, you know, the buzzwords and not only like in the, in, in security, but also in general for IT, you know, this, the, this year is, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and, you know, was machine learning, that deep learning. Again, like, uh, you know, these are like general tr uh, trends. I mean, it, the important things is for the customer is not to be, uh, falling into the trap or just, you know, informing the decision to buy a product just because I heard the buzzword or I, I heard that buzzword and that buzzword checked, check and the other buzzword check and therefore I'm going to buy. Like it's mostly is a risk um, and reward, a risk cost of a control and a risk reduction consideration that the the customer has to perform before buying, not just buying out there for just for the sake of it or to put a check in a, in a compliance checklist. It's very important that, um, uh, you know, the, the customer analyze the, 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 what's, what's a risk with the attack surface and whether or not they, you know, they have appropriate control already, which might be very well the case before going out there and buying or like, you know, oh, I need a SIM or I need a DLP or I need this and I need that. I mean, that's not definitely the, the way, you know, obviously like vendors, they're, they definitely push for for this big time because they love uninformed uh, buying decisions. So, um, uh, but you know, in terms of a buzzword, um, it's definitely with the improvement of the the uh, technology and the expanding of technology, 
the attack vector expand tremendously. You saw, you saw uh, these days, I mean, the Internet of Things that, you know, get plugged into the, the uh, corporate network and, you know, they become part of the attack uh, surface. Also, they, you saw in the web application of uh, they basically um, include – uh, the web application call for outside the uh, specific JavaScript library, such as jQuery. And by doing this, they kind of expose themselves to jQuery vulnerability or compromise version of jQuery, as opposed to host their, their own jQuery you know, version. Mm-hmm. Um, so all this, I mean bring a new new frontier in terms of the attack for sur- surface and from the defender standpoint obviously like more risk more exposure and more areas of con- consideration so i mean the technology is evolving so more buzzwords h here but i think the, the important is focusing on technology and risk and not on the buzzwords yeah it seems to me that you know from from certainly what you've developed and what you and I have talked about for years is that a lot of a lot of organizations still fail on the basics asset identification having control over their users and their environment and accounts um, and just basic vulnerability management and and really trying to get people not to move too far down their security program until they can really kind of get the basics in order right exactly and you know I think uh because we, we've talked about it in different ways. How, how do we enable people to actually focus on the basics and not get so distracted by different buzzwords? Yeah, so that's um, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, the way, the way like, um, I always tell um, the customer to do is, um, it's just kind of like a going back, um, let's say, like, a, you... Um, you become CISO of uh, the biggest, you know, corporation out there, and obviously you have the daunting task of, uh, you know, setting up your shop um, and uh, see what's out there. Um, the first thing, you, like I think, yet you, you have to do is um, a catalog all your environment um, in the like nitty-gritty detail. Most of the time, the organization do not have this kind of inventory, and and, and most. Uh, mm, Performing a self-assessment and have an external eye performing the self-assess the the risk assessment for security for you. In other words, like you want to create a baseline. Um, also, part of the sec- that self-assessment or risk assessment uh, is really performing an in- independent penetration test that will give you like an an idea. Okay. I, now I know, I have an idea what is the attack surface. I self-evaluated what can hurt me, what how I can get hurt. Um, but I want to also have a, an independent professional to say to say like, okay, now try try to compromise me um, the way um, the bad guys do. And from there, from there, like you get a very good indication where you stand. I mean, if obviously like if you are a bank and you perform a self-assessment. These are like, you know, real world example. And um, uh, basically like, uh, um, basically, uh, and that you drive, you perform like uh, penetration testing and uh, we can move money or do some, something that can really hurt you. That is like enough indication that something goes wrong in your, you know, security program. Right, gotcha, awesome. Well, Michelangelo, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to speak to me today. Where can uh, people find you online? 
Yes, uh, they can find us online at www.nopsec.com or um, they can always um, uh, drop us a note or a question about this podcast at hello at nopsec.com. Great. Yeah, I'll be sure to include all that in the show notes as well as your guys' Twitter. Um, yeah, I've, I've followed your your, uh, your your different feeds on social media for a while, so there's always good content out there. I'll be sure to link to all of that. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Michelangelo. Hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. Thank you so much for joining us today on Cybersecurity Interviews. I hope that you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Please go to cybersecurityinterviews.com where you can find every episode, including show notes and links for each guest. There you can also find social media links and to sign up for new episode notifications. Thanks. We'll talk soon.